Yeah, if we haven't met, I'm Nathan. I'm on staff here. Um, we, we're doing a series we're calling Identity, Lost, and Found. Someone say identity. identity. Okay, we saw last week that, that our identity is, is the, the essential core of how we define ourselves, what we're worth, all that stuff, right? And I said this last week, I don't know if you remember, um, but when we, when we talk about Salt Company, when we think about what Salt Company is, Salt Company isn't an event, it's a people, Okay. Jesus said in Matthew 5.13, he wanted his followers to be salt and light. So I love that you're here, but you're, more, you're more, here for more than just showing up for an event. You're actually here to become a different kind of person. Um, and, and maybe you're thinking like, dude, I didn't sign up for that. Like, I'm just checking this thing out, whatever. But, but, but we're leaning in to listen to what God actually has to say to us. Not just like what I'm trying to come up with, like some helpful tips for your life, whatever. Nope. We, we actually want to hear the God of the universe teach us who he's made us to be, which is crazy. Like that's intimidating. That is, that's challenging. That can be difficult, but it can also be liberating and beautiful and refreshing and enjoyable. And when you think about it, when I, when I say words like enjoyable, that might not equate with religion to you, right? Like, like showing up to churchy kind of stuff and opening the Bible might not ever have sounded liberating to you. Even if you're not a Christian tonight, if you've thought about religion and faith, you might have thought of things like duty, discipline, maybe even a, a weight that you had to carry. Even if you thought it was a good weight, the, the words I just used don't, don't really mesh with your experience of what trying to relate to God is like. This week and the next couple weeks, we're going to actually see this rescue mission that God has been on since the fall for you to have a true identity, an identity you were made for. Something much more than just kind of like you having a good life, actually something deeper and eternal. Now, some of you are thinking like, yeah, I've been around church, I get it, like Jesus. Woo, Jesus, yeah, he's a good guy, cool. It's about Jesus somehow. You're right, but, but, but there's something more than that because I... Here's what I think. You might be bored with the idea of Jesus, the concept of Christianity, because you actually, you've only scratched the surface. Like, I'm not going to give you some, like, mystical thing I came up with this week. I'm actually going to show you something that you might have heard before and completely missed. And, and I'm talking to a group of people that many of you would probably call yourself a Christian. You actually might have been missing something about what Jesus has done, your whole Christian walk. I don't want you to miss this. You can be familiar with Bible stories. You can be familiar with religion and duty and discipline. You can repeat phrases like Jesus died on the cross and actually be missing some of what he did for you. You can be a Christian tonight and have missed one of the best parts of the good news of the gospel. That's just true. I've seen it play out in my life and I've seen it play out in your life and you didn't have words for it. But hopefully we're going to open up the Bible and actually see what God says tonight. Does that sound good? Yup. All right. Someone say yup. Yup. All right. I'm down. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. We're going to go with one verse here. This is a, a letter that a church planter named Paul wrote to one of the churches he planted in the area with crazy, wild sexuality and all kinds of different gods and ideas and commerce, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, these are incredible letters, but we're going to focus in on one, one verse here, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So I'm going to read the entirety of our passage tonight. You ready? 
You're flipping. I get it. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, it's also on the screens in case you missed that. I love that you have your Bibles, though. Here we go. Second Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's where we're going tonight. Your first thought is like, oh dear, I have not studied grammar ever. There's a lot of hymns and he's and I don't know who's doing what to who. And it, this might feel a little mysterious. And, and there's some big religious words like sin and righteousness that you have a, an inkling of what they mean. If I ask you, yeah, do you know what sin is? You'd raise your hand. But if I ask you to define it, just to put simple language to a concept like sin or righteousness, you might not actually be able to state that for me. And I'm looking at a room of very intelligent people, I assume. I don't know you that well. But, but I assume, again, a lot of us could read this and on the surface go, yeah, I get it. But when I look at your life, when you look at my life, maybe we, we actually don't, we don't get it. We're going to break this apart into, into a couple easy chunks and just unpack it together. So the first, the first part, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. The first he in, in that part is God, the God of the universe. Last week we saw the God that created everything, again, like Taylor said, with, with intention and with purpose. That God of the universe, he was up to something. He has a plan. It's, it's, not, it's not plan B, but he actually was doing something that, that he promised from the beginning. He was going to provide a sacrifice for sin. So the, so the first he is the God of the universe and the, and the him, the accusative in that, the one having something done to him, um, that's Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, working in concert, working together up to this plan of redemption that God's been up to. It says, him who knew no sin made him to be sin. Someone say sin. Another fancy religious word. And, and I actually think there are probably as many different definitions for sin as there are people in the room. If I ask you what sin is, you might, you might list examples for me. You might say, disobeying my mom, right? That's a sin. Or, or cheating on a test, that's a sin. You might give me examples of sin, but if we try to scratch down, what is the root of sin? What is the heart of sin? What, what is sin beyond the examples? What, what would that be? Jesus knew no sin, so what does it mean that he didn't know sin? Because that would make him different than every other human being that has ever lived or ever existed, including you and me. Bro, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're a sinner. I'm a sinner too. And, and if we don't get that language right, if we don't know what that means, that's just another cheap religious phrase. That's not going to actually affect your life. Every single one of us has sinned. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So getting sin right is a big deal. It's more than accidents and mistakes. It's pushing back against God. Like it's pushing against his character, against his authority, against his plans. That could be willful and intentional or that could be unintentional. Sins of omission or commission, right? Those times where I would never even factor in what God would think about my life as I make plans for me. The Greek word in the New Testament for sin is hamartia. Some say hamartia. 
Scholars, I love it. Mm. We're getting smarter by the minute, guys. Hamartia is an archery word. Maybe you've heard this before. They, They grabbed this archery word to give us a visual picture for what sin is, right? So it means missing the mark. So so it's an archer pulling back their bow and shooting at a target and missing it. It, It's not clear if it's missing it by an inch or missing it by a mile, but it's it's missing the target. That's that's the idea they're using for sin. So so missing missing the target of what? Like what's the target that we're supposed to be hitting when it says all of us have sinned, all of us have missed the mark? We've missed the target of, of God's standards. Like God's character, God's desires for our lives, you and I have missed what God has for us. God is the source of truth. So when you lie, even a little white lie, even a lie to try to protect someone else's feelings, you're missing the mark of God's truthful character. You, you've sinned. I, you can try to defend your motivation all day long, but you've still missed the mark. God is the source of of love. So when you and I are, are selfish, when we're self-centered, when we, when we love ourselves more than we love anyone else, we miss the mark of God's selfless, abounding, overflowing love. God, God is pure. That's one of those ways we think of holiness when we talk about God. He, he's pure. Some of those struggles in your life that you're deeply ashamed of, man, you're missing the mark of God's character. Even if, even if that's a struggle with your boyfriend or girlfriend, or if it's a struggle with your phone at night, or it's a struggle with those thoughts going back over and over in your mind, that, that's an instance of, of an inclination towards missing the mark. Not only that, guys, the, the news gets worse. Buckle up. Here we go. You don't just do that. You actually are born into a state of that. Like that's one of those big concepts from the Bible that, that can be a little bit difficult to wrestle with. But, but you and I, when we are born, we aren't born running towards God. Our default is actually to, to go our own way. Like it's harder for you to want to follow God than to follow yourself, right? Is that just me? Like, like in myself, I'm trying to do the right thing and I keep finding myself going off God's plan, God's path. We're born with our hearts twisted against God. We don't, we don't actually want to obey him. Maybe when it's convenient, but not all the time. We live out of a chain of broken identity. And if you're around last week, you, you, we see how that identity spirals out in our relationships with other people, with nature, with, with our purpose, with our path. Bad news, isn't it? Like even on my best days, I'm a dude who's in ministry, like it's my job to kind of stand up here and be one of those dudes, whatever. Like, on my best days, guys, I fall short of the standard God has set. I'm telling you guys, I sinned today. Like, from the moment I woke up, I sinned today. That's not me being self-effacing. Like, that's, that's genuine and honest. Like, my heart was turned towards laziness, towards pride, towards just getting my own way. When I look at who God tells us he is, who he reveals himself to be, I, I don't measure up to that. Think about your day for a second. Like, can you think of one thing that you did that, that misses the mark of God's perfection? At least one. If you've missed the target by an inch, you've missed it by a mile, you've missed. You and I are sinners. Sinners. 
sin is a big deal. I actually want to, so I, I love to live in the clouds, talking ideas and terms, right? That's kind of how I roll. Um, but, but I actually had some really good friends at Iowa State who were Muslims, um, some, some good brothers from Egypt, um, some guys from Jordan. I actually got to teach English in Jordan. I loved these dudes. Um, a brother named Yahya from Saudi. Like, we would hang out all the time and just talk about life and faith. And, and as we talked about our faith, that it actually helped me understand better Somewhat the Bible is saying. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a little, little picture for you guys. Is that cool? You like pictures? Yeah, some of you like pictures. Cool. Um, I need some help bringing some stuff. Can you dudes help me out? Yeah? This stuff over here. I'm going to pick up the milk. I need somebody to pick this up, and it's heavier than it looks. You guys got it. Can you guys grab that for me and bring it over? What we got here? The tape. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Great work, guys. Give them a hand. Well, it's heavier than it looks, isn't it? Okay. Um, you're going to have to carry it back. You know that now, right? Okay. What do we have here? Someone say milk. You can see that, right? Yeah, you're like, okay, sorry. It's, it's oat milk. Don't worry. Um, I'm glad you didn't smell this. So there's a little something in the bottom of this. I've been riffing with my staff all day. You see what's in the bottom of that? Yeah, she might know. Don't smell this. Um, say this. Say this milk is your like, oh, you know where this is going. This milk is like your your religious stuff, right? This is you trying really hard to be a good person, right? This milk is like, dude, those days where you're trying really hard not to lie or those days where you're trying really hard to be nice to other people. Maybe if you consider yourself a Christian, a religious person, this is you like, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it, right? There's a little something in the bottom of the milk. A little poop right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, trust me, um, this, this is going somewhere. Um, anyone want to drink a little milk with poop in it? No, right? If you said yes, you'd be stupid. Like, like I, I don't care if you can't fully see it. If you know it's there, you should not drink it, right? In our little analogy, the milk is your, is your best and my best religious duty, and that, that little bit of poop, Guys, that's sin, right? I don't care how small it is, I'm not drinking it. Don't tell me to do it. Did you say do it? It's messed up. Um, so so here's, here's oftentimes our response to sin. Here's often what we try to do. We go, okay, I, I know there's some junk in there. I don't like it. I don't want it to be in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up for Salt Company. Okay, I feel a little bit better. Oh, I just swirled it around there. Ooh. Um, actually, I wasn't expecting that. Don't look too close. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe go to church. I'm going to be nice to people today. I'm going you know, to give away some money to poor people that need it. That would be great. I'm going to try to stop looking at porn. Anyone want to drink the milk? But there's more in it, right? Like, like, just, okay, give it a sec to settle. Let that stuff settle on the bottom. Then I, I'm trying so hard to do so much to just, just fill it up a little bit more. Like, you and I are doing this day after day where we see the junk and the sin in our lives. And our, our best response is, I'm just going to try a little bit harder to be a little bit better. 
But if you or I wouldn't drink this, why would the God of the universe accept us to be with him? Like, if you, if you die at the end of your life and you're, God, you're like, hey, God, there's some milk in here. Do you want it, bro? He, he knows what's in there. And, and if I'm really honest with you guys, my best efforts are shot through with pride and shot through with performance. So I'm not really doing it for God. I'm doing it for me, and I'm like pooping in the glass more, right? Again, if you and I wouldn't drink a glass with just a little bit of poo in there, why would, why would the God of the universe take our religious efforts and say, yeah, that's good enough? Like Your sin is a big deal, and my sin is a big deal. And working harder to be more religious or more nice or more of a good person isn't going to cover it. That's a bad situation, isn't it? We, we need some help to get out of this situation because i got a poopy glass here. And, and if left to myself, I'm, I'm in trouble, right? It's actually chocolate, guys. Why would I, you, you really thought that was poop, didn't you? Oh, mold? Oh, no, it's definitely chocolate. Um, can you guys take this away from me? Thank you. Oh, it was skim milk, though. That's bad news. Yeah, too long. I shouldn't have drank that. Um, next time you... <laughs> All right, pull it back in here, guys. Someone say milk. Next time you pour milk on your Cheerios, next time you see someone getting milk out of the dispenser in your cafeteria... I want you to remember sin is a big deal. And if it takes you thinking about pooping that milk to do it, come on. Like, like you and I need to understand this because we spend our lives pushing, pushing, pushing against the concept and the, the fact, the reality, that there's sin in our lives that we can't work hard enough to deal with. It's still there. Even if I were to pour out some of the milk and try to pour more in, like, we need a totally new glass. So here's the deal. In our verse... For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. Not once. There was no poop in his glass, guys. That's a big deal. He walked perfectly with God. He never missed the mark of God's character and nature. He walked in relationship with God like we were meant to. Like you were meant to. Every day. And, and, and maybe if you're like a, a Bible person, you're like, yeah, sure he did that. He's God. Like he has a cheat code. I get it, right? But, but part of the incredible thing, Philippians 2, 7, is that, that he actually chose to empty himself and take the form of one of us. Like he, he voluntarily chose to set aside some of his power and ability so that he could fully and completely walk in perfect humanity. Okay, how does God do that? How, how does Jesus empty himself and experience this? That's, that's part of what makes the virgin birth incredible, actually. Like, he broke the chain of sin in the way he was born. That's nuts. That's a big deal. But, but even more than that, as you're grappling with this, we're bumping up to the edge of a God that is much bigger than our comprehension, right? Like, if you have a God that can fit in the box of, of your, your parameters in your mind, that's a God, that, that's, a God that's about you size, the real God is not you size. He is him size. He is, he is going to bust down your categories. 
Jesus took on flesh as God stepped into humanity and he walked perfectly the way you and I were supposed to from the beginning. No sin, no break in his relationship with God, nothing to be afraid or ashamed of. Our text says something incredible though. God the Father made, made him, Jesus, to be sin. Like he, he never sinned, he, he knew no sin, but he became a sin offering, a sacrifice for us. We saw from the earliest pages, from, from Genesis at the beginning, that God actually promised that he would make a way for us to be back in relationship with him. Genesis 3.21, God covers Adam and Eve with, with animal skins, the first sacrifice, to show them that sin requires bloodshed, requires death, and that God would make a way for their shame to be covered. Just like God clothed them, his plan from the beginning was to sacrifice one time, one perfect sacrifice for all, all who trust him. He made a way for your sin to be dealt with. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus as the sacrifice, their sin would be covered and dealt with forever. Is that good news? Amen. But now again, I think, I think you might have heard that before. I think this might actually be a part where a lot of us have stopped. That is incredible good news, but that's not, that's not all of it. Forgiveness of sin is a, is a really beautiful deal. Trust in Jesus, get forgiven. That is true and beautiful and incomplete. And that incompletion in, in our thinking shows up in the way we've been living. You've lived this way for a long time. You, you know you're forgiven, but following Jesus seems exhausting. I knew a guy one time who, who said he was walking away from Christianity. He said, th- these were his words, I tried it, it didn't work for me, right? There was something that, that wasn't clicking in his soul that, that he couldn't actually experience real change. Think about this. You've, if you've accepted forgiveness, if you know God loves you, but then you keep seeing sin in your life, you see poop in your own glass, you might feel like you have to start over. Like, all right, I screwed up again with porn. I got, I got to just have a do-over. I got to start again. I'm forgiven. It's like clean. Let's go back to it, right? Man, I, I lied again. Okay, you know what? Uh, sorry, God. Okay, back to it. Back to work. We got to fix this thing. We, we keep going back like we have infinite do-overs. God forgives me. He just gives me another shot. But then I, I got to go back and, and work really hard to be a good person again. Functionally, this, this is what you've done. You've accepted forgiveness, but you don't have a new identity. Hear me say this. You might tell yourself a different story, but functionally, when we look at your life together, you've accepted forgiveness, but you don't have a new identity. You're not living any different. You feel like Jesus paid off your debt, but he left your bank account at zero. You keep trying to add to it and keep figuring out that you, you can't make headway. This is where the, the next half of our verse comes in, after the comma. So that, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Someone say righteous. Another fancy Bible word, right? Your, your minds are expanding here. What, is it, what does it mean to be righteous? Being righteous is being declared up to God's standard. 
Like being righteous is someone saying, you hit the mark, you, you did it, you got there. Everything that was supposed to happen, accomplished. It's a declaration. Sometimes I think of the word as, as rightness. Someone saying, you have rightness, according to the standard. Not righteous like Cali boy Carlos over there, like righteous dude, right? But, but like you are this kind of person, you are righteous. Someone is declared righteous like in a court, a judge saying, you've met the standard, you're up to it. It's like the first time you're picked for that team as a kid, that feeling of like, I'm in. Or maybe the first time that you were tall enough to ride the ride, right? Dude, that was an incredible feeling. I'd been waiting for years. Barely can't get on some ride still, but, but like, man, it's done. There's nothing left. You're, you're tall enough. Get on the ride. You're good. So what is the standard? It's God's character and nature. Being declared right with who God is, his rules and expectations. The standard is living like God made us to live in relationship with him without sin. So this crazy thing happens. You know you've got sin in your life. And God looks at Jesus and says, actually, because of him, all of that is covered. And more than that, all of his good, I'm actually crediting that to you. I want to do one more, one more picture just to try to get this in, because this is such a, like a big concept. I want to do one more thing. Can I get two volunteers? There's no poop or milk. Um, two brave people. Who's got me? All right, you two. Come on. Blake, you're always up. Come on, Blake. Jeremiah, you're up too. I got some signs right here. Um, he's got longer hair, so he's going to be Jesus. Um, can, you, can you be right? You're right here, buddy. Um, Jesus is righteous. Can you, can you stand right over there for me? Just hold that sign so people can see it. Hop right over here for me. Bro, you're a sinner. That's true. This is you and me right here. He's standing brave and proud for us. And this is Jesus, long hair and all. Um, functionally, you and I live with this gap and we feel like we have to perform enough to, to make our way across, right? And we read things like you're forgiven and it's like, that's great news, but I still know I'm a sinner. I still know I have stuff in my life to deal with. I guess I gotta try really hard. But again, your identity hasn't changed at all, Right? In fact, you might try to add things to your identity, like, hey, I'm super involved, right? I'm in, I'm in those clubs, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep it, just getting involved in the places I am on my campus. I, I've got so many things to do. You can keep holding them in front of each other. Good, good luck. Um, maybe the identity you've tried to add is, is desirable. Like, somebody wants to be with me, and so I, I'm going to... That, that's what you're holding on to to try to be your new identity. At least that person wants me. Whether it's wanting to be in a relationship or wanting, wanting your body, wanting something from you. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's having the right answers. You're used to being the good Christian kid that has the right answers. And so, so you know there's sin in your life, but you keep trying to, to, to justify yourself and to, to show people you're good enough by, by having all the right answers, the, whether it's the Bible answers, the religious answers, whatever. For some of you guys, your identity is busy. Like if, I, if I'm like, hey, I'm Nathan, what's your name? You're like, busy, sorry, got to go. Too much going on. The, the, the identity you have over yourself is, I am just too busy. 
Maybe for some of you as athlete, like you chose the college you went to because you wanted to be involved in your sports. And the thing that would be most wrecking to your identity right now is, is busting your knee, like losing your season. Maybe you've tried to be a good person. Like, I'm just a good person. I'm just trying hard to be a good person. That's what God wants. He just wants me to be a good person. And, and you keep finding yourself looking at people and going, well, I'm not as good as them, but at least I'm not as bad as them. But you can never quite be a good enough person. And if I ask you to tell me what a good person is, it's, it's a little tough to pick down. Maybe it's being popular. Maybe the, the thing you're trying to do to cover up this identity gap in your life is that people, people like me and know me and I have a big group of friends. Uh, at, least, at least I have a crowd on the weekend when I'm feeling lonely or when I see my sin. I think, I think another one is, is tolerant. Because there are those intolerant religious people, those intolerant political people. At least I'm, at least I'm tolerant. You know, God is love and so I'm, I'm a tolerant person unlike, unlike some people. Fill, fill in the blank for whatever you've been adding on for your identity. Like, okay, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm, I'm trying to deal with this. And the best way I know how is by trying to find an identity that, that, that seems, to, seems to cover it up. And, and behind all of it still, you know you're a sinner. Like, you know you haven't measured up no matter how many other standards you're trying to add for yourself. So, that's the incredible thing about this verse, the incredible thing about what Jesus did. God made him who knew no sin, this, this righteous one that walked perfectly with God, who lived out the full identity that he was supposed to have, he actually made him a sin offering. Go ahead and turn around for me. Like the perfect final sacrifice for sinners. Like when you, when you trust that Jesus is your sin offering, you have nothing to prove to the God of the universe. Nothing at all because Jesus takes all of it. God's justice is satisfied because sin is really and truly punished. He becomes the embodiment of sin. But again, he doesn't just stop there. He actually makes us his righteousness. He declares you righteous. You don't have to fight for an identity anymore. You don't have to fight to try to make who you're going to be. You actually have an identity given from God. You're righteous. And part of the incredible thing of what Jesus did was in his resurrection, he showed he paid for all of it, every single bit of our sin, and he had more life to give. So you, you can flip that back around. Jesus remains righteous and because he's declared us righteous, we actually get to be in relationship with him. Like in Jesus, you're more than forgiven. You actually have a new identity. You are declared righteous. You don't need to keep adding these new identities to try to, to, try to bolster yourself up or cover up the shame or fear or frustration or self-loathing. He's offering you forgiveness and more than that relationship as a righteous person. You guys can sit down. Give him a hand. Thanks, guys. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Can you put that? Here's, here's just the, the phrase that I want rolling through your mind as we think about this verse. Jesus makes you more than forgiven. He makes you righteous. 
when we're talking about identity lost and found, this is, this is us finding our identity. Declared righteous so we can have relationship with God. What do we do with this? I was hanging out with Hayden over lunch, and he's an engineer, and, and I'm like riffing on this stuff because it's really exciting. He's like, okay, so what do, you, what do you do with that, right? Incredible question. Because if we just sit on the theology and miss the practicality, we, we might go back to how we've been living the whole time. We might miss what this has for us. Like you actually get to live like a righteous person. You get to live like a person whom God is inviting to be with him. I think that that shows up in a few places. I think first you and I need to let God's grace train us to live like a righteous person. Like you might actually need to start thinking, what would a righteous person do in this situation? That might show up in your behaviors changing. Like you might actually start saying no to things that are out of line with your identity and yes to new things. But listen, you don't have to say no to try to prove something to God or earn something from God. You get to say no to sin and yes to things that he loves because of who you are. Because he has already said that you are his. And it's just an invitation to walk with him. Guys, since it's your identity, it's actually going to feel better to walk like a righteous person. Like it's actually going to be more enjoyable to live as a holy person. Like your Christianity might actually become fun when you realize this is your identity, not something you have to earn or prove. I'm talking about confession. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about reading your Bible. I'm talking about getting into community. If you start to put the the lenses on of your life and say, okay, what would a righteous person do here? Not a self-righteous person, but an actually righteous person. I think you would start to see your life differently. We saw last week, knowing God is the key to finding your identity. You have access to know the God of the universe. Invited fully in as a righteous person. Are you taking advantage of that? Like, are you actually taking him up on that? Are you letting your fear and your shame and the story that you're writing stop you? God's love and his grace actually help train us to be the righteous people he's made us to be. His grace is inviting you to obey like a righteous person. He wants you to enjoy your identity. I think, I think a place this gets practical is actually learning to worship. Like learning to worship loud. Learning to be more free in worship because you're already righteous. And even, even more tangible, I think this, this looks like learning to worship quickly after you sin. Like, think about it. Think about the last time you really felt sorry for sin. Again, maybe it was a struggle with purity. Maybe it was a struggle with bitterness and anger in your heart. Maybe it was an outburst that you had and you you thought later, like, why did I say those things? If you're not a righteous person, you can wallow and feel shame. But you and I know that's just going to lead to more sin and more struggle until you get out of the shame. Or you can work, right? You can either wallow or you can work and go, okay, I'm going to try harder this time. I'm going to do better this time. I'm going to be more disciplined this time. And the crash after that gets actually worse and steeper than before. But what would a righteous person do after they realize they've sinned? Someone declared righteous through the finished work of Jesus. What would you do if that was your identity? You and I need to learn to go more quickly back to God. Like to worship more quickly, to pray more quickly. 
The moment you realize sin, running back to the throne of grace because you have full and free access. God is not holding you back until you perform better. He is inviting you home because you're righteous through what Jesus did. Learn to worship quickly after you sin. I think another area this gets practical for us is confessing. Confessing sucks if you have everything to prove, right? Confessing is terrible if your identity is on the line, if it's, if it's being popular or, or being well-liked or being, being adored. But if you've already been declared righteous, you're free to confess sin in your life like never before. And when someone confesses in connection group or confesses to you, we can actually treat them like someone declared righteous. We can remind them of what Jesus has done. Because I think too often my response, and maybe your response too, is when someone confesses to go like, that's all right, it's okay, do better next time, right? It's, we all make mistakes, don't worry about it, right? That's not how we handle confession. Or your response is like, all right, bro, just do it. Like, we're going to get better. Throw your phone in the river. Do it. Just do it. I made Kyler watch that before he did announcements. Like, just saying sin is okay or work harder is not an appropriate response to confession. But if someone's been declared forgiven and more than that righteous, you remind them of that truth and you invite them into worship. You tell them what's true of who they are. Have you ever been able to confess like that without shame and without fear? I think this looks like telling people about the righteousness we have in Jesus. Not in some creepy way of like, like gospel bombing people, but I'm talking about like actually talking about the identity that you have and that God is inviting people into. I think concepts like evangelism become less scary or less weird when righteous is your identity. When you walk through life as a person that's been declared righteous by God, why wouldn't you tell the people they have that incredible opportunity? They don't have to work hard or become more like you. They get to meet Jesus, see what he's done, and experience what he's done for them by faith. I think we actually can start finding someone or praying for someone to share that news with. Because this is the best news for anyone, for anyone that that God wants them to come home. Friends, the world needs to see righteous people not self-righteous people, not stuck-up Christian people with right answers, but actually righteous people. People living in line with God's heartbeat because they've been declared righteous through the finished work of Jesus. I know tonight some of you guys have never accepted this offer from Jesus, and maybe you feel like either it's too foreign or you're too bad, you have too much poop in your glass for God to ever love you. This is what he did for you. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. A full sin offering for our sake, for your sake. So that in him, not in yourself, not apart from him, but in him, in Jesus, with Jesus, you might become the righteousness of God, declared right and part of his family. Tonight, accept that identity and come home. And tonight, if you're a Christian, accept your identity and walk like a righteous person. The people around you need to see you fight sin. They need to see you fight sin like someone who's been declared righteous. They need to see you love people like someone who's been loved and declared righteous. 
They need to see you forgive like someone who's been forgiven and more than that declared righteous. They need to hear you share hope that it's not just more religious duty or more, more right answers, but it's actually the finished work of Jesus that invites you home to your identity as a righteous person with God. Jesus does more than forgive. He, he declares us righteous. So we're going to respond by worshiping him and then we're going to go out and live like new people. Let's pray. Jesus, tonight, tonight will you make this truth come home in our hearts? God, I, I know I can't, I can't talk loud enough. I can't bring up enough props. I can't, I can't do enough things to make, to make this truth come alive, but but we know you can. Tonight for my friends that that have been struggling with their sin and and their shame, that know they're forgiven but, but don't know that they're righteous, I pray, God, tonight, please make that truth come alive in their hearts. That they would take on the identity that you're giving them and they would walk in it and run back to you in freedom and run after you in joy. Tonight I pray for those of us in the room that, that don't know you yet, God, that you would... And you'd open us up to the incredible thing that you accomplished to make us right with you. We lost our identity. We've been running away and, and struggling, but you actually made the way for us to come home. Jesus, you didn't ask us to earn it or prove it, but you offered yourself for us. Tonight, open our hearts to actually accept that truth and be transformed. We want to respond and, and worship because you are worth it and you deserve it for what you've done. Teach us to worship like righteous people. I pray this in your name. Amen.